0: Good morning and happy Sabbath and happy Lunar New Year. This year is really easy because the first day is the first of China, Lunar New Year and 12, today is the 12th day. Three more days to go for feasting. Now as you go around these few weeks or a few days, we dodged a few bullets, especially the pastoral team. The whole conference almost went down. I almost couldn't be here today. But God, is good. You know what happened? So we were supposed to go for lunch. And we arranged, we didn't want to sit together, we were two groups of us and I, I was proposing to go to Pekyau Market. I was one of the drivers. And the other group was the other driver and somehow in his mind, he heard Pekyau but he kept thinking Tekka. So we went and then we were waiting and waiting at Pekyau Market and they didn't show up. And I'm like, guys, where are you guys? And I'm like, you said Pekyau, right? Yes. Well, where Tekka? We're like, sure, just eat there. We'll eat here. And the other side got a positive case. So God just protecting us, dodging bullets left, right, center. I'm so glad we're here. Um, And my kids dodging bullets. Every day as a dad, right, I get a message from the school. Hand, foot, mouth disease, COVID-19, flu. I'm like, "Eh?" next door to my kid. Oh, one grade up, one grade down. Still not yet. Thank God. Thank God. For those who have kidna, we're glad you're back and you're healthy. God is protecting us, keeping us safe, and uh, continue to pray for God's grace and peace with us. I made this t-shirt for Chinese New Year. <laughs> I did. It says Pingan Sila. Be happy, which actually means peace and joy and happiness for Chinese New Year for all of us. I think that's all we need. There are two things we have lost in these two years. We've lost peace. We're living in fear, living in this always concerned, worried, you know, kind of state of mind. And we've lost joyfulness and happiness. My grandma's really upset because she couldn't see all her grandkids and great-grandkids together, together. For old people, they don't want to see a specific person. They want to see the mob they have contributed to, the clan in front of them, and they're like, this is my offspring's, right? She couldn't, you know, she saw five of us here, five of us there, three there, two there, and she was so sad, she called me, Why can't we all meet together? I'm like, Grandma, not yet, we will very soon. We will very soon. So we're coming along the series, we're continuing to go down this, this series, and uh, today is a wonderful time to talk about Chinese New Year customs. My son calls this the tong tong Chiang. <laughs> this year, we didn't have any, you know? Second day, usually, you hear it going around. They're not allowed to. Uh, they were in the, the malls, I think. Some officers were allowed to have that. And it's interesting. Like, if you think about it, are they... Do you know that it's not all tigers, lions? There's actually um, other animals based on the, the horn and all that. First of all, lions don't look like that, but the lion dance... Uh, and some of them are actually tealing. right? Some of them are actually tigers, depending on the, the features of them. If you're an expert, you can tell. Um, but it's to celebrate, right? It's supposed to bring the festivity, the joy, the happiness to Chinese New Year to, so that we're all like, yeah, this is a time to celebrate. We have a New Year starting, spring starting. Uh, there's a harvest plentiful ahead of us. It's a good time. But then over the years, certain things that we we use and uh, we used to teach other people became traditions that has been maximized. Uh, this is a list. This is a list of what the do's and don'ts during Chinese New Year. If you've broken all of them, you're cursed for the rest of the year. All right? So you're not supposed to clean during Chinese New Year. So during, all right? If you sweep the floor, that's it, man. You've been cursed. All your good luck's been swept away. You're not supposed to, to cry. You're not supposed to cry. Right? Even if you're a baby, you're not going to cry. It brings sadness to the rest of the year. You're not supposed to say bad things. Bad things. In fact, I had a friend whose, whose, whose grand aunt was so superstitious, every time she, he said a bad thing, she has to smash a bowl. It was part to counteract the bad thing being spoken. A lot of broken bowls in the house. Uh, <laughs> um, you're not supposed to buy books if you're Cantonese. Because in Cantonese, books sounds like... Sh- she, my she, you buy lose. You buy, some, you buy a lost, so the rest of you will be lost, right? so don't buy books. Uh, you're not supposed to buy shoes, same sound, same sound, you, you're losing, right? so don't buy shoes. Uh, <laughs> you're not supposed to visit somebody in the bedroom. Did you know that? If you go visit somebody's house, you're not supposed to visit the bedroom, it's unlucky. It, it brings you a curse and it, it is, uh, it's bad luck to do that. Um, you're not supposed to cut things during Chinese New Year's. Okay. Tomorrow, the you <laughs> when you cut, you cut away your good luck. You know, cut away your good luck. All right, and uh, well, you're supposed to wear red. Red is the color. And you know, you're supposed to like, extend the luck. But honestly, if you look at it, these are actually principles that it's actually not a bad idea. Why do they say don't clean your house during Chinese New Year? People are visiting, and then you're like sweeping the floor. It's not so good. You're supposed to prepare and clean before Chinese New Year. It's about the idea of preparation for visitation, to get your house ready, to throw away the old stuff. Don't hoard stuff. Recycle, reduce, reuse. By the way, I'm challenging the auspiciousness of everybody by giving you dustbins. <laughs> if you go to who have taken it, It's a gift. If you look at it, it's actually a pen holder or that. It's made from recycled HP ink cartridge. Why, pastor, why you give us rubbish rubbish bin on Chinese New Year and Sabbath? I'll tell you why later. Right, but take two when you leave. eh? And to counteract the unluckiness, we gave you two orange too. I'll talk about it more. But the second thing, don't cry during Chinese New Year. That's overall a good idea, right? You shouldn't try to make people cry. Sadness and tears is, yeah, just don't. Use celebration, you should be happy. And you shouldn't say bad things during Chinese New Year because you shouldn't say bad things anyway, right? Just be nice, be kind in your words, be courteous. So those are good principles to live by that has been maximized to become something that's so taboo, if you do, you're cursed. Bad luck. Not good. Touch wood. Even that, where did that come from, man? Hold the tears. You're supposed to don't buy books. Oh, the one's Cantonese, that'd be more interesting. Don't buy shoes. Chinese New Year, no shop open anyway, right? Don't go and buy books and shoes anyway. Uh, I will not comment on specific dialect group because I'm half Cantonese, right? Don't go to the bedroom, imagine. This is a really good principle. You're opening your house for Chinese New Year visitation, people come straight, go to your room and look around. Not very good to invade your private space, isn't it? So the people say, Don't go to visit the bedroom, you'll be cursed. And so everybody's very nice and polite. They stay in the living room. Don't go to the bedroom. Probably started from some guy who didn't want people going to go into his private space. Don't cut your hair, don't cut anything. Keep the nice away. The kids are running around the house. Don't put pointy shop stuff around. Keep it in the in the cupboards. Wear red. I talked about this. Red actually complements the Chinese skin the best. Scientifically proven. I showed you the scientific report before. Wear red every day. It's nice. Looks good on you, Chinese people. So one thing that is unique to Singapore is this. It's called Li Chun. You're supposed to go, this is actually the Bank. I was standing beside the CNA cameraman when he took the photo. I forgot it was Li Chun, fourth day of Chinese New Year. I just wanted to bank in all the ang pao money Lucas got. But I didn't like, why is it there's so many people? Then I saw the CNA cameraman and like, hey dude, what's going on? And he's like, bro, Li Chun. Oh, do you know what it is? You're supposed to bank in your money on the fourth day of Chinese New Year so that your money will multiply by itself in the bank. They even have a schedule online on the best time on the fourth of Chinese New Hour is the most auspicious, and the queue, man. Especially in Topayo, where there's more traditional uh, old folks. Whoa, there's four banks side by side in Topayo Hub. The line was so long. They brought out chairs out for the old people, and all the way down the stairs. I was like, I chose the worst day to put money into the bank, man. And then so what I did, I left. I didn't leave Chun my money will not multiply by itself in the bank because the interest is 0.001. <laughs> but what is this practice about? It's not that because you put your money in the bank that day, I think, I believe, that you magically the money will multiply, but isn't it a good idea they've been collecting angpao pao for, for so many days to put it into the bank? Because this is unique to Singapore. Not all countries have that, the Li Chun thing. So somebody in Singapore started this rumour and it became a practice that everybody believed in. Because don't have a bunch of cash in the house, right? Put it into the bank. When is it? The fourth day, because first two days you go visitation, collect all your abundance, blessing of money. You know third day you're not supposed to visit people? Because the rat is getting married. Yeah, so getting married. But even you think about it, after two full days of visitation, somebody said there's a rule, third day you cannot visit, thank you. I can sleep in finally, right? I can finally, and then you know, they say you go, you get you get into argument, of course. Two days of traveling back and forth all around, you get all angry, all angry. come to the house, easily get into arguments. Imagine trying to wake me up when I was younger, on the third day to go visit, uncle again. I don't want to go, can I sleep in today? Then my mom get angry, I get angry, and we argue. See, sí third day of Chinese New Year, unlucky one. There's actually some truth behind a lot of this myth and tradition, superstition that we believe in. Who knows who this guy is? He's the original Moses. These 10 commandments were so long. My auntie brought me to watch it and we're like, are we go yet? Have we reached Canaan? Have we been in the cinema for 40 years already? It was a really long movie, eh? If you remember. Ten Commandments. (laughs) So this is how we we imagine. Ten Commandments. Moses takes the two tablets, stand before the people. The sky is red, lightning striking. Boom, God has arrived. He looked more like Zeus, actually. I remember when I grew up in the church that I grew up in, some of you know where it is. Before you enter into the sanctuary, there was a huge board, wooden board about this tall. And then you, you this is the front door, you walked into the church and then there's a Ten Commandments there. And then you have to go around it and go into the church. Those of you who know what this church is, it's almost as though when you come to church, you must look through the Ten Commandments. I have sinned, you do not enter. Or else you die because it's the most holy place. We grew up thinking of the Ten Commandments as such a burdensome, heavy, restrictive document that God is checking every single moment to punish us. He's waiting. Ah, he broke one. Lightning strike. I grew up with that idea of the Ten Commandments. And so Israelites left Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, experienced Marah, bitter water, went to the springs, and they walked and they received miracles from the rock, coming of water. They had so many people there that they had to learn how to manage, that Moses had to listen to Jethro to divide the people into groups of tens, hundreds, thousands. And as they walk, as a they travel, they're learning to be a people. They're learning to be organized. They come to the foot of the mountain. And God says, now I'm going to speak to you. Now I'm going to interact with you to give you a specific set of instructions. We come to the story of the Ten Commandments. What is... Your view of the Ten Commandments? What role does it play in your life? Is it such an overwhelming, burdensome requirement? Or there are some friends of mine who minimize the Chinese New Year traditions and ignore every rule that is supposed to follow. And because of their minimization of the Chinese New Year tradition, they've caused burdens to other people. Is there also your view of the Ten Commandments that is not important and you've minimized it to a level where it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter, the Ten Commandments. So today, let's think about these two ways of viewing the Ten Commandments. Are you maximizing its impact in your life to the point that it's so heavy? you see it, it just brings fear and chills down your spine, or you do minimize it to the point where it doesn't matter. It's just ten suggestions. So it's the ten commandments to you, ten suggestions, or ten decrees. So as I read through the ten commandments, let's slow down and listen to the Word of God as written in the Bible let rethink how we're relating to it. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to verse 21. As I read through slowly the Ten Commandments, and as I read through, I would invite you to think, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to verse 21. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, The people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You, speak to us, and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Is that what the Ten Commandments has done to you? That upon reading the Ten Commandments, your reaction was to see the thunder and the lightning, and it causes you to decide that you're going to stand far off from God. That you're choosing a man, Moses, to stand in between you and God, to speak on your behalf to God, because you, you are so afraid of this God who has just given you these Ten Commandments. Is that what the Ten Commandments have done to your life? Did you know that if they didn't react this way, God would not have established priesthood? Because he was reflecting, he didn't dictate, he was reflecting the choice of the people to have someone stand between them and God, and so he has to anoint priests. The other alternative, which Jesus worked his entire life in ministry, was to take away what? The priesthood. To take away the veil that blocks his people from God. Has the Ten Commandments pushed you away from God. It comes back down to what is your view of the Ten Commandments? Are they Ten Suggestions? Are they Ten Decrees? And you will both actually result in the same thing. You deciding that God is not a part of your life. What his 10 suggestions? It's just suggestion. I don't need to care. It doesn't matter to me. I'll listen to it when I feel like it. No relationship. The 10 decrees. Why I changed the word from commandment to decree? Because decree is done out of fear of the person giving the decree. You're doing it just to please the person who has spoken the decree. That is the same. You're choosing to exclude yourself from the relationship with the person giving the decree because all you have is fear. Are you ignoring God or are you fearing God? It doesn't really matter because both of them exclude God. But that is not what God wants. That is not what God wants for us when He gave the Ten Commandments to us. Shall we go back to verse 1? I have a person who argued with me that the first commandment was not found in verse 3, but it's found in verse 1. But I would beg to differ. He said, as a contract, the terms are laid out and verse 1 should be the first term. No, the first term is the name of the signee. That's not a contract term. The contract term says a three. I, James, Tom, one, two, three, four. But that is important because verse one is often ignored. We jump over it. We just want to look at the Ten Commandments. But look at what it says here. And God spoke all this word saying, I am the Lord your God. Not somebody else's God. Not the God of the Ten Commandments, I am your God. Why am I your God? Because I care enough to take you out of the land of Egypt, to deliver you from suffering. I hear your suffering. I hear your cry. I care. I am the God that's taking you out of slavery. Your God that delivers you. If you could really hear it being spoken by God to have God says I am yours not this elusive far away being who's just trying to decide whether you live or die depending on whether you please me but it is a God who take an effort to enter into your life to go out of the way, to bring you out of your suffering, your slavery, to be free. That's your God who is speaking these terms. And what He's speaking is neither a suggestion nor a decree. He's stating the principles of life as He originally designed As he planned for human beings to live in before sin came and disrupted humanity. That is how God wants us to live. The world is broken, that's a fact. And God reminds us that brokenness is not the natural, original design. We are supposed to live above and beyond. And one day, as followers of Jesus, as as His children, we will live in a life without the brokenness. The Ten Commandments are principles of the world He's designed for us. What are they? We're not preaching a series on detailed Ten Commandments. You'll take ten Sabbaths at least. But I'd like to share with you what they are talking about. I am the Lord your God, and He says, You shall have no other gods. Why? Because every other God will not relate to you in this way. Every other God will ask that you appease their requirements. Or other gods will be so far off that they don't relate to you personally, they don't care about you. So don't have, don't worship those gods. Because I am the only God that is relationally invested and pouring into your life. Why is he demanding that? Because that way of living is easier. That way of living is better. That way of living is more abundant. And he explains why. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth below or that is in the water under the earth You should not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me. He wrote a lot about this part. But showing steadfast love. Tell me the word love did not appear in the Old Testament. What did I just read? People tell me, James, you're Old Testament, man. I'm New Testament. i know, what do you mean? New Testament's love and grace and care. I'm like, where did that come from? Jesus read Old Testament. Is Jesus Old Testament or Jesus New Testament? Jesus read the Old Testament and lived the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament is 33.3% quotation of the Old Testament. But you can't tell me love does not exist in the Old Testament. It exists in the Old Testament. And where? Right in the Ten Commandments. That God expressed His love for His children... We so often read it without realising it's love. Because we forget who's saying it. It's different when a policeman, that they accidentally, Lucas was with me, as I watched Maximum Security, it's about prison life in Singapore. He just walked past as I was like, as this, this scene where the policeman told the prisoner, go back into your cell. Then he's like... And I looked at him that's where Naughty Boy goes. The fear of God was in him. So bad, this father. See, it makes a difference of who says, go to your room. If the policeman says, go back to your room, (laughs) jim, scary. But if it's his dad at 9.30 in the evening after he's eaten his snack and says, Lucas, let's go to the room. It means it's time to sleep and I'll be sleeping with you. I'm not locking you up in a cell. It makes a difference who says those words. And until you remember who is saying those words, if you just look at the commandments, you'll always be living in maximum security prison, Chang'e. Or will you be living in a home with a father who is saying things differently which may sound the same? Say, don't worship any idols that you make for yourself because you know why? Because we're all doing it right now. Is that fun? Chasing, pleasing one idol after another. May not even be an official God idol. It could be status, it could be knowledge, it could be friendship, it could be fun. Trying to chase all those things are tiring because they don't give you what you're ultimately looking for, the satisfaction and abundance of life achievements, security, all those things don't satisfy because that's not what God can give. And you make those things God and what you're going to get at the end of worshipping these idols is empty promises, disappointment. You're going to reach the end and you, you achieve it, you get it and you're like, wow, He's not giving me what I want because it's not what you're supposed to get it from. And God says, don't worship those things. Don't spend your life chasing those idols. They're not going to give you what you're looking for. You are actually looking for me. I am the God, the only God who's delivered you from slavery. And he's still delivering us from slavery. Slavery to all the idols we make for ourselves and burn ourselves with. They will never give us what we want. Only God, who extends His steadfast, has said His love to us. The God who loves us deeply can give us what we want. So uh, don't worship other idols, because it's not going to satisfy. That's the first lie, and still the lie being told by uh, by the devil to us. Told to Eve. God doesn't love you. The first idol that Eve worshipped was the fruit, which by extension was knowledge, which by extension was actually herself. Turn your eyes off Jesus and turn to yourself and that will satisfy you because you become this knowledgeable person that knows good and evil. And that, did that satisfy? Brought shame, guilt, violence, differences to life. You take away all the idols we're worshiping today in our world today, there'll be no more violence. There'll be peace and happiness. Every single conflict we're having today is caused by idol worship. Some of these idols are in the name of God, but they're idols. They're not a true reflection of who God is. Don't worship idols, the Bible says. It's not going to bring you what you want. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold you guiltless for those who take His name in vain. So much there. Some people, when I was growing up, The moment you say the name Jesus in the wrong context, that's it. You took the name of the Lord in vain. Die. I think we take the name of the Lord in vain every day when we take the name Christian and we don't portray Christ. So don't claim to be Christ followers when you're not because you know why? You cause others to fall out of love with Christ. I almost left God Because of Christians who claim to be Christians who spoke on behalf of God who did not portray Christ. And they gave me a wrong image of God. They're like, if that is God, I'm getting out of here. I'm not worshipping a God who's like that. The fact he says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain is to protect us and protect his other children. It's very easy to fall into this mindset of isolating ourselves and just think about my relationship with God. But more often than not, the Bible talks about a relationship with God that's established in community. It's only by caring for His other children can we really learn to love God. How are we portraying Christ to those around us? Are we portraying Him in a way that is not who He is? And is it driving others away from Him? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to keep it separate, to keep it... I just had a study last week with somebody who doesn't really fully accept the Sabbath. And she, she asked me, what is the Sabbath for? I said, if you meet most Adventists, it's to earn forgiveness and favor. I kept the Sabbath. I'm good with God this week. And if you push further, what do you mean by you kept the Sabbath? I went to church. You push a little further, I was on time for Sabbath school with a little bit of pride. Nine fifteen. Doesn't like it being the Sabbath. The Sabbath is showing up for a date. When the Sabbath was first established in Genesis chapter chapter one, chapter two, at the end of chapter one, the beginning of chapter two, God didn't feel tired. Neither was Adam and Eve tired, it was the first day, come on. They're a perfect being. God is saying, I've done all the work, now let's hang out. And hang out requires a specific day, because if I date my wife to say, let's go for a Valentine's Day dinner on Monday, by the way, if you guys forgot, Monday's Valentine's, and she shows up at the restaurant on Tuesday, who's having a date? Nobody. The whole world is supposed to meet God on the same day. And in fact, as a side effect of that. you realize that the whole world needs a break from us? Whole earth needs a break from humanity. That's why God says take a day off and stop abusing the world. Stop abusing the earth for one day bask in its richness and fullness. If most of all of us kept Sabbath correctly to realize that this is a day to enjoy God's presence, to worship Him, connect with Him, and to look at nature, less of us will abuse nature. There won't be a need to reduce, reuse, recycle. Because that's a result of us not taking the Sabbath because we've abused the earth to the fact that it's breaking up. And it's so scary to me that some Adventists tell me that we should help it, quicken it, the destruction of earth, so Jesus can come. I really... What make you so sure you make it the other side. Yeah. God says to take care of the earth. You destroyed it. Hmm. The Sabbath is for us to connect with God. So even if you're here and you didn't connect, you didn't keep the Sabbath. And connecting with God requires us to connect with others too. Because God is not re- revealed in just one person. All of us. Review a little bit of who God is. That's why God established a community for us to come together to reveal who God is. And to look at ourselves when challenged by one another in the community to realize that we are not very Christ-like. How can I represent Christ better? And the only way to do that is to go to Christ and ask Him to help you become more like Him. By beholding, you become changed. Who are you beholding? God asks us to not behold the Ten Commandments, but behold the author of the Ten Commandments. Today's Ten Commandments are principles of life, the facts of how living life in a way that God has designed for us will bring us a better life. It's in fact a letter of relational communication of who He is and how He wants us to live and how it will be the best way of living with Him and with one another. We wouldn't need a police department if all of us followed the Ten Commandments. Many of us argue with a lot of the commandments, but nobody argues with thou shalt not murder. But Jesus says this murder brings more to that. It's about how we relate to one another. Are we holding grudges, being angry with one another, not forgiving one another? It's such a very high standard that we help us realize that we can't do it by ourselves. In fact, the Ten Commandments drive us back to the first point that only God in us can help us be like Him. So back to my question, who is God to us? Who is God to you? Is He just a functional being that you go to a piece and get the good stuff? Or is He a God who you're connecting relationally that you can understand His way of living, you understand His desire for your life, and you understand that His ultimate desire is to take care of you, not only here on earth in this current way of living, but to take you out and back home with Him to the wonderful world He's prepared for us. And so if you continue to have problems about Ten Commandments, I ask you to look to the cross. The cross will help you understand how to not minimize no, maximize the Ten Commandments. I'm going to use this verse that every time is used to attack the Ten Commandments. It says, Colossians 2:13-14 says, "And you, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, canceling the record of debts that stood against us with His legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross." And people come to me and say, the Ten Commandments is no longer useful because it's been nailed to the cross. Guys, English teacher, what was nailed? Not the Ten Commandments, but the consequence, the burden, the misunderstanding, the requirement, the legalistic view of the Ten Commandments has been nailed to the cross. Because Jesus come and the cross has been merged together through his death to become the only way we can live that we cannot live by our own effort and our own mind discipline. The only way we can live is through the acceptance of the grace and salvation we've received by His death on the cross. Every victory you gain in your supposed way of following the Ten Commandments is done through the grace and power of Christ and His resurrection. Because He's taken the burden of fulfilling the Ten Commandments away from you. Do you not need it to live in fear of breaking the Ten Commandments and suffering consequences? Because He took it for you. But remember, remember, brothers and sisters, that the Ten Commandments were free from the consequence, but Jesus took it. It didn't just disappear. And in that life of freedom from this consequence, we live not trying to cause more grievance to others because we know that the result of breaking the Ten Commandments was the death of our Lord Jesus. So it doesn't invalid the Ten Commandments. It elevates the Ten Commandments to a place where we know by keeping it, we live in a life, live in a way that honors God and honors His children around us. So church, as we start the new year, I'm going to explain why I'm giving you the rubbish bin. (laughs) First reason, if you put it on your table, it looks really cool. It's like a mini rubbish bin. But I want you to remind yourself of your old way of thinking, of who God is, either by discounting His requirements and ignoring His way of life or maximizing it to the way where it's really burdensome. Throw it into the bin. Then think about how you can live in a new way of living in His grace being a blessing to others, representing the name of Christ properly to those who love Him and those who have not yet known Him so that they will come to love Him. And I ask you to take two, actually. Because maybe you will know somebody or meet somebody who needs to know about this. Give it to them. And share with them why you're giving them <laughs> the rubbish bin. Hopefully, I, I think not by Chinese degree by the time you meet them, but why are you giving them a rubbish bin? It says, gone with the old, in with the new. I wish all of you a new life of joy, peace, happiness.
1: Closing with this hymn, this hymn, Higher Ground. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights i gaining every day. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground, Lord, lift me up and let me stand, my faith on Height, and catch a gleam of glory bright But still I'll pray till heaven i found Lord, plant my feet on higher ground Lord, lift me up and let me stand My faith on heaven
0: Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we move on to this new year, I pray, Lord, that we feel with the peace of knowing that you are our Father, the joy of being embraced by you daily in our walk, and the happiness to know that, Lord, that we can help to spread your love to others who need it. May we be a beacon of light for you in this world that is greatly needing it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.